Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says, podcast number one, George Washington, the world's first military submarine commander. Wow. You know, I've been doing these stories on radio for nearly two years, and finally, finally, I'm being introduced to the podcast. Well, I'll keep doing the radio broadcast because I've got a lot of folks that are kind of used to listening to me there, but but I sure want to welcome all you podcast listeners. Wow, coast to coast and around the world, now everybody can hear my true stories of the Founding Fathers. I love telling these stories, and, and I love people listening to me tell them. The stories are great. They tell of honor, virtue, integrity, honoring womanhood, honesty. Why, these stories ought to be told in every school in America. They used to be, but, but not now they're not. Not anymore. Well, now that's my job. My job. And I'm mighty glad to do it. I'm mighty glad. So, so listen up. Here we go with George Washington, submarine commander. Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Folks, I do my best teaching just by telling stories. I'm going to tell you a true story. I just love telling stories, and I'm so glad you joined me. I'm just about to tell a story about George Washington. Now, there was a real hero. I'm going to tell you things you never heard before. Yes, sir, never heard before, and it's a shame, too. Why, well, he was a genuine hero, and these stories should be told in every school in America. They used to be. For instance, did you know that he was the world's first submarine commander in wartime? <laughs> he was. Now, he didn't pilot the sub, but he was indeed the commander. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about that. You're going to like this story. Yep, it's a great story. Right soon after the war had started, the British troops ships came into the New York Harbor. Now, it's a pretty scary sight to watch ships at anchor there. They're full of thousands of soldiers that have come especially to kill you. Now, that's enough to make a hungry man lose interest in his breakfast. George and his army was camped on Manhattan Island trying to figure out a way to keep those soldiers from landing. They waited for the darkest night, and then about midnight, George and a few of his most trusted officers went down to the wharf in New York Harbor and met with a Mr. David Bushnell. Uh, George Washington, Mr. Bushnell, and one of Washington's sergeants, he was a, he was a Mr. Lee, was about to make history. You see, Mr. Bushnell was an inventor, and he had invented a submarine, and Sergeant Lee was going to drive it. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, Mr. Bushnell did not invent the submarine. Other folks had invented those, but, but he invented this particular submarine, and it was the first submarine that was going to be used to fight an enemy in wartime. Their goal was to attach a huge bomb to the bottom of the British flagship. Uh, it was called the Eagle. And the submarine? Why, it was called the American Turtle. Now, Sergeant Lee, he was absolutely quiet and had no light at all. He climbed into the tiny little eggshell-like boat and closed the watertight hatch. And then he began to turn a hand crank in front of him that turned a screw in the water. And the American Turtle slowly began to move toward the great British flagship, the Eagle. He was towing behind him a fused bomb that was timed to go off just before dawn. He only had about five hours to get out to the ship, attach the bomb to its hull, and then get away before it went off. It took nearly two hours of steady hand cranking to get out near the Eagle, and poor Sergeant Lee was pretty tired by the time he got there. But he was all pumped up and excited about what he was a-doing, so he just 
jumped up and got on with it. Before he got too close to that British Eagle ship, he pulled a lever that let in a little more water, and the turtle slowly sank beneath the water so the British sentries couldn't see it. That little submarine worked beautiful. It'd go up, it'd go down, it'd forward and backward. Why, it was the funnest thing around. But uh, Sergeant Lee wasn't there for fun. He tried to screw the bomb onto the hull of the Eagle, but found that it was covered with copper plates. He tried and tried, but just couldn't cut through that copper. Finally, he just had to leave the bomb and get out of there before daylight. He got back to the wharf just as it was getting a little glow in the sky. Since he couldn't attach the bomb, it drifted a little bit away before it went off. Hooey! That bomb went off with a roar that was heard for miles. It woke up every mother's son in New York, and, and it for sure woke up those troops in the harbor. It shot a geyser of water hundreds of feet in the air, and the waves made those ships bunk and jump, and why those men were bounced out of their hammocks like jackstraws. What was happening? Who was bombing their ship? Where was the enemy? Where were the enemy ships? Every ship in the harbor was turned into an instant hornet's nest. Where was the enemy? <laughs> Well, the Eagle, that ship wasn't even hurt, but it was thoroughly soaked from, from the waves and the spray. You can bet that a few sentries got their backside peeled because they didn't warn the fleet. But how could they? Who ever heard of a submarine attack? It was months before the British ever figured out how that harbor blew up without an enemy ship inside. Now, before I go, I want to tell you about another hero of our revolution. His name was... Marie-Joseph-Paul Yevzrock Gilbert du Mautier. He was born in 1757 in Auvergne, France, one of the great patriots of the American Revolution. He was orphaned at a very young age, but received a huge inheritance, a very large amount of money. Do you recognize him yet? He was a relative of King Louis XVI of France. He'd gone to military school and was advancing in rank, but he had so much excitement and admiration for the American cause that he was ordered to cease and desist from talking about it. So he went out and bought his own seagoing ship, hired the crew, and recruited men to come to America with him to fight for our cause. Again, he was ordered to stop. He refused and came on. Do you recognize him yet? When he got here in June 1777 and offered to serve at his own expense, he was eventually given the rank of Major General at the ripe old age of 22. He loved George Washington and referred to him as his adoptive father, <laughs> and he named his only son after him. He named his second daughter Virginie after Virginia. Do you recognize him yet? <laughs> he was a very good military commander and, and led his troops in most of the major battles of the war. Spent the winter in Valley Forge with George Washington. But perhaps his greatest aid to our country was made by traveling back and forth between the two countries several times during the Revolutionary War in a series of very successful efforts to secure French aid. Not only in the form of funds, uniforms, guns, and ammunition, other things military, but also with what proved to be the vital French army and naval participation process his cousin the king forgave him for leaving and agreed to send the naval help that allowed us to corner general cornwallis and win the war in yorktown do you recognize him yet you gotta know this guy he was one of the greatest heroes of the war he led his troops in chasing cornwallis all over the south and when cornwallis stopped 
to rest his troops at Yorktown, it was this man that first saw the opportunity to destroy him. It was his influence that sent the French fleet to stop General Clinton from rescuing Cornwallis. And it was this man that sent word to General George Washington to quit fooling around New York and capture Cornwallis. Perhaps the most remarkable demonstration of this relationship with George Washington was when this man, after his return to France, after the American Revolution was won, he was made head of the National Guard at the beginning of the Revolution in France in 1789. As such, he was in charge of the demolition of the political prison, the Bastille. It was him. He did it. Do you know who he was yet? <laughs> well, that, that was destroyed in 1789, and he retrieved the key to the front door of that prison and sent the key, along with an engraving of the destruction of the Bastille, to his beloved George Washington. He did so, as he said in his communication, this is what he said, they were to be accepted as a tribute from a son to my adoptive father, as an aide-de-camp to my general, as a missionary of liberty to its patriarch. That key to the Bastille remains in George Washington's home from that day to this day. The love for America on a part of this French patriot was so great that at his request, soil had been brought back for, with him from Bunker Hill in Massachusetts and was used to bury him in France. So who was this French-American patriot who so loved his adopted nation? His name, Marie-Joseph-Paul Yevzrock Gilbert du Mautier, the Marquis de Lafayette. Okay, well, folks, hey, thanks for listening. You can't restore America unless you know what America used to be and what made America great. You are learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.